Hi, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the film critic for the website Quipster.net. You can read all of my written work at that website, Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today I'm going to be reviewing The Conjuring 2. It's a sequel to the 2013 smash hit The Conjuring. It brings back the director, James Wan, along with the stars, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. It's an R-rated film for terror and horror violence, and it runs two hours and 14 minutes. The screenplay also returns Carrie Hayes and Chad Hayes. James Wan does contribute part of the screenplay, and there was a rewrite also done by David Johnson from The Walking Dead fame. Madison Wolf, Francis O'Connor, Simon McBurney, Lauren Esposito, and Franca Potente also get supporting roles. For those of you wondering, I enjoyed the first Conjuring film. I gave it three stars out of four. I don't think that it's a great film, but I do think that it is effective for its type and definitely would recommend that to those people looking for a pretty good horror flick. James Wan here is returning as the director of this follow-up, and he offers more malevolence-busting adventures of the self-described demonologist couple of Ed and Lorraine Warren, with James Wan's favorite actor, seemingly anyway, Patrick Wilson, along with Vera Farmiga returning to the roles for one more go-round. The story here starts in 1976. We have an introductory nod to the case that made the Warrens most famous in Amityville, the source of a best-selling book and a whole slew of horror movies, allegedly based on true stories, but most people consider it a hoax nowadays. The reputation of the Warrens spreads to other parts of the world as the church sends them to Enfield, which is a borough of North London. I just want to take an aside here to say, in reality, the Warrens were reportedly only in Enfield about a day. They were not asked to be there, and they played no significant role in the investigation, which reportedly went on for about two years and not just a few days, as you would glean from this film. I also want to say to people in Hollywood and other filmmakers, can we please put a moratorium on the use of The Clash's London Calling to introduce the city in films, please. And there always seems to be a montage where people come into the city and we hear that song. It doesn't even make sense for this film because that song was done in 1979 and this film was set two years earlier. And Either James Wan just hasn't seen other films or he's seen too many. I don't know. But anyway, the Warrens set about investigating the home of Peggy Hodgson. She's a poor single mother and she has four children living with her. The youngest girl of the four is named Janet, 11 years old, and she's frequently being harassed by what she considers to be a malevolent spirit in the form of a man named Bill Wilkins, who's this elderly guy who died in the home and forcefully declares his current ownership from beyond the grave. There are loud noises, there's moving furniture, there are eerie voices, there's ugly apparitions that pop out increasingly that disturb the family until they're absolutely at wit's end. Meanwhile, the Warrens themselves are also plagued by the vision of this hideous demon that arrives in the visage of a scary Catholic nun that's haunting their dreams. Lorraine contemplates a respite from their demon-busting activities because she sees not only this apparition, but the grisly death of her husband, Ed, in one of those visions, and it adds to the conflict as to whether they should be in England doing all of these things or not, and maybe continuing to investigate this case will lead to Ed's untimely demise. 
Now, while the introduction of this film claims that the events that we're witnessing within The Conjuring 2 is based on a true story, this film's about as cliched as any typical fictional horror flick. It's full of generic genre tropes that have this forced bombast that persistently undermines any claims to some sort of authenticity. Director and co-writer James Wan here is mostly using the account of the Enfield poltergeist to springboard a plethora of shrill jump scares, a skill that he's honed for most of his career as a director. But, you know, he refreshingly had curtailed those tendencies for the psychologically adept old-school pleasures of the first Conjuring film, but he doesn't really afford us that in this one. Still, his use of camera and lighting does rank him among the best in his craft in recent years, and yet the jumps are predictably delivered still. We have hallways and rooms that are shown that will immediately tell most people in the audience where and how the frights will be placed later. And then the familiar rhythms of the editing and the score always seem to tip us off that something scary is just about to occur. As with nearly all Wan's films, many involve a portable light source like a flashlight or a lantern. These calculated moments of booga booga are a poor replacement for genuine suspense and fright that should occur from a ghost story well told. It's not without scary moments. I don't want to mislead you. There's a very creepy scene in the middle of this film that features a nightmarish painting of the aforementioned demon nun. She looks like Marilyn Manson. This scene will have all but the most inured of horror movie watchers on edge, but those jump scare jolts come more from the sensory stimuli involved from the sights and the sounds and the editing of these scenes more so than how we actually feel about the potential victims within the scenes themselves. These scenes would have been just as effective in just about any movie, so any pretense that this film has really good character development to justify its two hours plus runtime, I think that's overstating the case. And speaking of character development, there are more attempts here to add a love bond between Ed and Lorraine Warren. It's an interesting touch, but we're not given enough of their background in either of the two Conjuring films to get too caught up in the power of that romance. The film also tries, however feebly, to try to leave room for some doubt on the part of whether the frights are real or not, but Juan, as the director, fails to leave any ambiguity to the proceedings for about 90 minutes, and that makes the sudden shift to entertaining the notion of a hoax absurd given all of the unexplainable horrors that we've seen the characters have experienced up to that point. We never believed that this could be faked, despite any evidence to the contrary. The first Conjuring film managed to play its cards in terms of those revelatory shocks close to its chest, at least until the rip-roaring finale, but this follow-up cannot wait to give you the scary images early and often, and that leaves the finale feeling like it's anticlimactic because we've already grown accustomed to seeing the frightful ghostly visages by this point, so they don't manage to scare us any more than they did when we first saw them. Now, to say that Conjuring 2 is a bloated film at nearly 2 hours and 15 minutes is obvious. I cannot think at least not off the top of my head of a pure genre horror film that exceeds this runtime and so unnecessary 
because 104 minutes would have certainly done when the story and characterizations are remarkably standard as they are delivered here. So why do we need an extra half hour to tell the story? I guess James Wan thinks that if he tightened things up just to the facts of the matter that we'd miss out on the pleasures of seeing Ed Warren crooning Elvis Presley's I Can't Help Falling in Love on an acoustic guitar or this nonsensical inclusion of another creepy apparition in the form of the Crooked Man, which is this lanky cartoon character that seems to come to life at a couple of moments in this film from a musical nursery rhyme zoetrope. James Wan certainly has a knack for a certain kind of scare, but his tendency to indulge in cutesy character moments, far-fetched plot developments, I mean, there's this discovery made from the random intersection of real tapes that fall onto the floor that will make many eyes roll, and he also indulges in over-the-top horror histrionics that need to be corralled in order for Wan to be at his most effective as a filmmaker. He needs more suspense and less shock scares. He managed to keep his tendencies contained the first time out, but this sequel sees James Wan too concerned with playing to the crowd at the expense of the integrity of his story at large. I'm giving The Conjuring 2 two and a half stars out of four. And two and a half stars on my scale means that it had all of the tools, all of the talent to be a worthwhile film to go out of your way to see. But something keeps it back. And I think that by trying to be bigger and better and scarier than the first film, it becomes just another horror film. You know, one of the reasons that The Conjuring, the first film, succeeded was that it called its shots effectively, and it used its sense of period in a much cooler fashion, and it differentiated itself from a lot of other horror films to manage to rise up to the top of modern-day horror film releases. I'm not a huge horror film fan generally, so take that for what it's worth, but... You know, this film seems much more conventional and because of its excessive length and because of a few cheap scares that don't really add up, I can't quite recommend it except for hardcore horror fans who go out and see just about everything with a horror tag on it. So two and a half stars is the most I can give to The Conjuring 2. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the review. I do encourage you to click the subscribe button if you want to hear more of my reviews over the course of the next year or even longer. If you happen to enjoy the show, if you've been listening for a while, I do encourage you, if you want to support the show, to leave a review on iTunes and let other people know to check out the show. It definitely helps out a great deal. So if you could do that, I would greatly appreciate it. I'll even read it on the show. If there's anything that I said that strikes something within you that makes you want to get in contact with me, you can go to my website, quipster.net. You can also check out my Twitter feed and Facebook page. You can use those to contact me as well. Go to quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. You can also read over 3,800 of my film reviews, including my review of the first Conjuring film to let you know where I'm coming from. Until next time, if you do end up going to the movies, I do hope that you had a great time, whether you agree with me or not, and support your local theater, because, you know, movies offer so much more bang for your buck than just about any kind of entertainment out there, and I just have such fond memories of going out to the theater with my friends and seeing movies, so I hope that you experience the same thing, too, with you and your friends and your kids, or whoever you see the movies with. It's a great shared experience, and the conversations that follow are definitely worth it. 